Hello, and welcome to another edition of Life of a Lifer, brought to you by Design Conviction. My name is Salty Candace. Today, we will be speaking with Ezekiel Thomas, a man who was sentenced at the age of 16 for robbery and assault and given 50 years. Ezekiel has served 28 years of his sentence and has been busy working on a project that he describes as transformative justice. In 2015, Ezekiel, along with Deborah McMillan, founded the Adam Project, a prison outreach initiative. The primary mission of the Adam Project Prison Outreach Initiative is to provide sound information on the principles of personal change that can provide a constructive basis for honest self-evaluation by those who are incarcerated. It advocates rehabilitation through re-education. A primary feature of the Adam Project Prison Outreach Initiative is its conceptual framework for fostering rehabilitation described by Ezekiel as transformative justice. Hello, Ezekiel. Thank you for joining us today. We're very excited to have you. How are you doing? I'm well. It's a privilege and honor to make your acquaintance, man. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of this forum of discussion. It's something that's very important to me. And I'm just looking forward to uh, to the conversation that we're going to have. Me too. Me too. Thank you again. Now, can you tell us more about the Adam Project and what you mean by transformative justice? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the Adam Project was my attempt to rethink what criminal justice and criminal rehabilitation should look like in a criminal justice uh, setting. The current model uh, that's utilized by the criminal justice system focuses primarily on developing aptitude and uh, soft and hard skills as the catalyst for rehabilitation, which is why in most prisons you find programs that emphasize GED preparedness and vocational training. They basically subscribe to this theory that crime is a matter of aptitude deficiency and that people become criminals because they don't possess sufficient job skills or workforce-related training. But with the Adam Project, I turn the lens inward. I don't focus so much on skill set or aptitude development, but on the basic life attitude of the person, that person's worldview um, that many times has been shaped by traumatic experiences or negative relationships in that person's life. Um, and this led me to reimagine what criminal justice is and what the criminal justice system should look like. And from that, I developed transformative justice. And to better understand transformative justice, I'll explain it relational to criminal justice. The criminal justice system is about forced accountability. It's about physically separating uh, the victim from the victimizer. But transformative justice is about developing a new person inside of the old self. And the way you accomplish this is by exposing that person to new healthy relationships with other people. So transformative justice, um, as I conceive it, addresses criminal thinking as a social wound that often starts with a history of broken relationships with people. And those types of relationships can cause you to stereotype people. They can cause you to criminalize those uh, individuals' motives or criminalize intent. So primarily, what you have is a broken person that who is projecting past prejudice onto new relationships, and that leads to criminal behavior. If you want to change people, you have to change their beliefs about the world by changing their relationships with people. Awesome. What motivated you to start the Adam Project? My, uh, my primary motivations were just my general disgust 
and disappointment with the current system, with seeing the system fail people, and then blame the very people that were failing. Um, so after I made my personal life transformation, after I redeemed myself and freed my mind from the shackles of criminal thinking, I felt morally obligated to design a program uh, that could help produce those same results in the life of other inmates and in the life of other prisoners. Very cool is that. Now, where can our listeners find out more about the project, Adam Project? How can they, how can they find you online? Um, you can go to um, Adam Project, Ezekiel Thomas, AdamProject.com, um, and that gives an overview of uh, the Transformative Justice Initiative, uh, some of what the Adam Project is about. But if a person is looking for more in-depth understanding of the principles as espoused by the Adam Project, then they can find those um, compiled in my recent book, uh, healing the criminal mind, which is a compilation of all of my wisdom and insights um, as, it re- as it relates to criminal justice reform and personal redemption. Absolutely. Sweet. Now, I understand you also have a podcast called Live from D-Block. Can you tell us more about that and what issues do you address on your podcast and what are you wanting listeners to take away from it? Absolutely. Um, with Live from D-Block, I wanted to achieve two primary objectives. Um, the first objective was to provide honest and insightful commentary on the prison experience in America. So often, the public gets it wrong. So I wanted to provide comprehensive commentary um, on the prison phenomenon that would address those areas that are relevant to personal transformation, but also criminal justice reform from an anecdotal perspective, from the perspective of the people who are affected directly by the system. Um, the second objective was that I wanted to dispel much of the myths that criminals are some worthless, you know, degenerates who, you know, sit around all day and contemplate how to commit more crimes. I wanted mm-hmm. to pictorialize an image of the incarcerated person um, that would make a positive statement about our capacity for conscience and self-correction, that we are not morally depraved human beings and capable of change. Um, and that we don't have some insatiable appetite uh, to go out and commit more crimes. Some of us right. are remorse-driven um, into a life of transformation. So the podcast was my attempt to dethrone that narrative, to dethrone the mythology, the prevailing mythology that criminals are irreparable. Absolutely. Very cool. Now, I understand you've also written two books, How to Move in a Room Full of Vultures and Healing the Criminal Mind. Can you tell us a little bit about what those books are about and what compelled you to write them? Absolutely. Um, how to Move in a Room Full of Vultures uh, is a book about how to overcome obstacles when people have placed those barriers in your path that are designed to prevent you from being successful. Um I learned a lot of the principles that are espoused in that book from my actual everyday experiences in prison. And not just from my fellow prisoners, but from a system uh, that is designed to see you fail. So uh, How to Move in a Room Full of Vultures was about how to be successful, how to turn adversity into opportunity. Healing the Criminal Mind, the second book um, that's published on Amazon, was about a, a statement of fact as to what will actually change 
a person from a criminal uh, thinking human being to a productive citizen. Many people don't know the way. I mean, there is no model in the prison system that gets to the core issues of criminal thinking and criminal psychology. So mm -hmm. I wanted to provide a roadmap for self-transformation that people could follow step by step by addressing those issues in our sense of self-worth, our sense of self-esteem that were critical to uh, turning that that person's mind or that human being into a criminal and into a person who was oppositional against society. So uh, oh. they both represent healing at different phases of the criminal criminal uh, thought process. Nice. Very cool. Now, what are your personal views on criminal justice reform? What would be the things that, in your opinion, need to be focused on, need to be changed, and need to be addressed first and foremost to make um, change possible in, ha in how the system is obviously not working that well? Um, the system is not working that well, uh, primarily because the theory for criminal justice reform is born out of a view of what crime is. Crime is seen as an economic uh, uh, behavior. And that is because around the beginning of the, the turn of the century, at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, the criminal was conceived to be a person who committed crime because he or she did not have uh, the skills needed to compete in the workforce. That theory of crime followed criminal uh, assumptions and how the uh, criminal justice system saw criminal behavior from the beginning of the 19th century all the way to the 20th century. But around the 1970s, um, when state hospitals began to become uh, decentralized uh, and people began to commit crimes, not because of economic issues, but because of psychological issues, because of a, a personality issues, there was a new dimension uh, in the criminal element that was not being recognized by the system. The old theory remains even in the face of new challenges. What has to happen is that the way we conceive crime and the way we define crime in, in, in strictly an economic context has to be changed. When that is changed, then the model will be changed, and when that happens, we'll start seeing results. Yeah, that, may, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. Now, in your opinion, how can we change the general perceptions that uh, many people have about those who are incarcerated? Absolutely. Um, one thing about that, and one thing we have to understand is that in our society, people pay more attention to institutions than they do to uh, individuals. For example, um, if a person graduates from Harvard, it's the institution that confers merit on the person who graduates, not the individual himself or herself. So we live in a society where people judge people by the institutions that produce them. We will never be able to change people's perception of prisoners and those who are incarcerated until we uh, are able to change their perception of the criminal justice system as a serious model for changing human behavior. As long as people think that the system is a failed system, then they're going to think that criminals are failed human beings. You can't change 
their perception of the individual until you reform the institution that affects their life. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. That, that is a really cool explanation about that. I like that a lot. Now, on your, I understand on your podcast that uh, when we spoke earlier, you were really wanting people to go on there and ask questions. So is there a form there that they can fill out? What questions are you hoping to answer? And um, basically just tell us how you would want that to work. Right. Right. Uh, well, there is an email uh, uh, on the, on the, to my understanding, <laughs> because I actually <laughs> party uh, through a third party. I'm, it's, uh, it's indirect. So I haven't actually mm -hmm. seen it. But from my understanding, there is an, uh, a contact, uh, some contact information where they can leave questions. And uh, we want to hear those questions. We want to know um, what the public is thinking about the prison system and its relationship to um, the society at large. And um, how is it relevant and why is it relevant? Um, what, are, what are some of the systemic issues uh, that we face in reforming the system and making it work for people and work for society. So there is uh, some contact information uh, on the podcast, to my understanding, um, e an email address where questions can be forwarded to. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, Absolutely. Ezekiel, we want to thank you for joining us here today. We appreciate what you've been able to accomplish. And we thank you for your insight and ideas and how we can change the general perceptions of those who are incarcerated. And we do wish you the best of luck in all your future endeavors. Absolutely. And I'm telling you, the privilege of acquaintance has been entirely my own. I thank you for this opportunity and I wish you continued success. You 